Within each individual lives at least one life-changing story that has the potential to inspire change. Far too often, souls depart this world without having the chance to express their hearts, leaving loved ones searching for more. I'm your host, Angelica Pascone. I'm a mom, physician assistant, and lifelong intuitive. I have a gift of catalyzing connection and a deep respect for honoring legacy. Over the years, I've been a conduit for countless messages from late loved ones, which has brought profound healing to their family members who remain here on earth. Join me and my guests as they recollect pivotal moments, reminisce with humor, and whisper wisdoms so that their stories of their hearts live on along with their voices, love, and impact as forever keepsakes for their loved ones. Welcome to The Living Years. Hello, listeners, and welcome to another wonderful, impactful episode of The Living Years. Today, I sit down with Elsie Francisco. She is my husband's step-grandmother, who I've always wanted to know more about. She has such an interesting life story growing up in the South, moving up North, eloping, having her impact not only in her children's lives, her grandchildren's lives, but in so many lives that she has touched. And I cannot wait for you to listen. Listen. Without further ado, here is Elsie. Hi, Elsie. It's so great to sit down with you. I'm really eager to hear your take on your life, your experiences on life, because I think although we've spent time together, we really haven't had the time to get to know each other. So I can't thank you enough for sitting down with me today and sharing who Elsie Francisco is. Could you tell me in your own words, who are you and how have you changed over the years? Okay. Now, first off, let me tell you uh, what my background is. Yes, please. Yeah. I'm the oldest of four children. Uh, both of my parents were previously married, and I'm in this. I'm with oldest of the four in the second family. Okay. Mm-hmm. I had uh, a sister younger than I am and two brothers. Okay. And um, my dad's first wife died with cancer. And he married my mother. She was one of the people who helped take care of his wife Mm -hmm. uh, when she had cancer. And that's how they met. Mm -hmm. Okay? Now, my dad uh, was from Alabama. He moved to Mississippi after a fire that destroyed his everything he had, actually. He ran a store in Alabama and a post office. Okay? That was his job. Then you got to Mississippi around uh, 1912, mm-hmm. and he got a job as the highway superintendent, building roads. Those were the days when they didn't have motors on their vehicles. Uh, they did it with teams of horses and whatever. Mm. So that's pretty interesting, I think, right? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I had a lot of older siblings between my mother and my grandfather and my father. And uh, so there was a lot of varied occupations and everything. So there was never a shortage of books to read. Some of them were teachers. Some of them were school principals. And I had one college professor in the group and a doctor. Okay. So I was always into books. I always liked to read. Okay. Mm, that's beautiful. Uh, sometimes my mother would get upset because she thought I was into something that was too mature for me, but that never stopped me, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, I think you probably want to know what my personality is, right? Sure. How would you describe yourself? Well, I talk a lot. that's wonderful I think I'm you know um, I love children 
I'm always ready to help people out when they need it. Um, I'm practical, and I'm a little bit stubborn. How mm. do you like that? I love it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I stressed education with my children, and I think that shows because mm-hmm. my daughter ended up teaching at college level. And my son was a nurse. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and they each kid. had their impact on, on other lives. That's, that's correct. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Yeah. How, how do you think you've changed over the years? Mm, I, I think I might be a little bit more open-minded than I used to be. Mm. But um, maybe, I don't know. Well, yeah, it could, and I imagine that, especially growing up in the South, there's oh, yeah. there's been quite a quite a big shift in open mindedness. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But you know, my first job, um, there was a lot of segregation in the South when I was growing up, uh, everything. But the first job I had, the really the first job I ever had, I had to uh, I had to work. I worked with two young men. And one of them was black and the other one was white. Mm. And I never, um, I didn't have any problems with either one of them. We took over uh, a new business and we kind of shared the responsibilities. And I didn't have any problem. I worked there for two or three years and I never had any problems with either one of them. Mm. Mm. And it never, you know, maybe to other people, and I, when I go, when I look back on it, I remember when they, uh, one of their grandfathers passed away, and one of he had to go be gone for a few days, and I was left with the black guy to run the business. Okay. okay? And they brought in this older woman to sit and watch us. Wow. And I didn't understand at the time why. Why she's not doing anything? What's she doing here? Right. Mm-hmm. Just keeping an eye on us, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. But when I look back on that, I know why they had they did that. Right. Now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that, that wasn't necessary. No, no. no it wasn't. And, right. and I knew at the time it wasn't necessary because we didn't we didn't need watching. We were we were both doing what we knew we were supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Mm-hmm. What was, what was it, what, could you describe or paint a picture for me of what segregation in the South looked like as you were growing up? Well, the Blacks had, um, they had their own schools and everything, their own churches. Uh, I did, you know, from uh, me personally, in the area that I lived in, uh, I didn't really understand it that much because um, my dad, he, uh, one of the things he did, we lived on a farm. He had had, he had a lot of occupations and things, but after he married my mother, he, uh, she had a house and he had a house and he sold his and he moved into hers and, on, and it was on a farm. And um, one of the things he did is he, saw, he sharpened saws because there was a lot of lumber being cut down in the south, and there still is because, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of forest down there. And at that time, they, it was done manually with uh, cross-cut saws. So, so he sharpened saws at home. He had, he had his own little business going there. And a lot of the people who brought him in were blacks. Mm-hmm. So they were customers. And that's, that's my relationship with, right. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. What a change. Not over, not only over the years, but as you moved up North. Yes, it was. Right. But I found the segregation here is, is sometimes just as bad or worse. Oh yeah. Interesting. Thank you for bringing that up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What brought you up North? I got married. <laughs> <laughs> and how did you meet your husband? Uh, Tell us that story. Well, I had a younger sister and she had a friend who she um, 
They went to the USO, okay? It was a big thing in Memphis. We were, I was living in Memphis. And uh, USO is where there's a couple of um, military establishments around there. And that's where guys who don't want to go out drinking go for other kind of entertainment, right? There were dances and things that they put on for servicemen. But I was always cautioning her because I was the older sister. You got to be careful with who you, you know, bring home because they would bring people home for me. to. We had an apartment, right? And they would bring, uh, invite them to come eat. Of course, I had to do the cooking, right? (laughs) (laughs) So one night they talked me into going down uh, town with them, downtown Main Street, Memphis, right? And while we were down there, uh, they ran into somebody they knew from the USO, and he said, let me introduce you to my buddies. And Lynn was one of them. I wasn't really happy with the situation, right? (laughs) And... um, so after that, I mean, he, well, he looked at the three girls, there was three of us. We had a nice, she had a nice car and everything. And um, he ended up settling on me and I wasn't pleased at all. Mm-hmm. And somehow or the other, he managed to keep up with everywhere I went for the next couple of weeks, he would show up. Mm. And one night, a friend of mine was at a wedding shower, and her her. she had small children, and her husband had the flu, so she didn't want him to expose them. Mm. So I offered to go over and sit with the, the two babies while she went to a wedding shower. And about nine o'clock that night, uh, the doorbell rang, and I went to the door, and there was Lynn. I don't. I still to this day don't know how he knew where I was. Mm. <laughs> and he, I just said, "What are you doing here?" And he said, "Well, I thought you might need a ride home." Mm. And he talked me into going out. With, it was near my birthday, and he talked me into going out with him for my birthday. Let him take me out to dinner. Mm. that was it (laughs) the rest is history rest is history we ended up eloping eloping and then and and after you eloped you moved he he's he was from up north yeah he was from up his mother was from Penfield originally yeah okay yep so then you you moved up north with him that's right Mm -hmm. very good his dad passed away when he was five years old so he Mm. Okay, so, but I, uh, yep, that was it. Mm, mm. What a wonderful story. We were married 68 years. 68 years. Yeah, my goodness. You don't hear stories like that anymore. Everybody meets each other online. I know. Mm -hmm. Right. (laughs) He told me there wasn't many days in our marriage that he didn't tell me one time that other that day that he loved me. If I can ask, with his recent passing er earlier last year, what's that transition been like for you, living day to day without without your life partner? Hard, hard. Yeah, Uh, I. um, He was very sick. He had um, a lot of things. He he he. He spent a year in Korea in uh, Foxhall. And he he had sixty percent hearing loss that he lived with all these years, mm. and um, he had aneurysm. He had kidney failure, uh, he, and he had um, uh, what what are those diseases that? Um, well, rheumatoid arthritis right, is mm-hmm. one of them, right? Mm-hmm. What are they called? Uh, Auto autoimmune. Yes, he had yeah. But he lived, he had all, I mean, he he spent the rest of his life with all those. But um, he made a good living. He left me well off. 
Yeah. So I couldn't have asked for anything better. Yeah, absolutely. It sounds like Lynn had quite an impact, of course, being your life partner on your life and who you've become. What other individuals or moments have shaped who you are today? Well, actually, <clears throat> I, I was brought up in uh, a big, big family. And that, what I mean like that is aunts, uncles, cousins. We were all a tight group and everything. And I think the uh, having uh, all the books and mm-hmm. educational people around me um, made me take advantage of the uh, any opportunity I had. I didn't go to college. I would love to go to college, but mm-hmm. there wasn't money, and there wasn't any. When I, when I graduated from high school, there wasn't any free uh, educations or uh, funds to help. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I just got a job and went to work. And um, I was lucky in 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 the jobs that I had before I was married, they led me to, I applied for one job when I came to New York and I got that job. And that was in 1970, 1954. Mm-hmm. And the only other job I ever applied for was in 1979. And I got that job. Wow. And that's, that's a pretty good record. I would say. Yeah. Because, oh, I worked at different places, but they were, uh, I never worked full time uh, because after I had my children, I wanted to stay home with my children. Mm -hmm. So one thing led to another and it was my reputation. I would get called to do things. And and that's pretty good. That's a pretty good reputation. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Wow. What have been some of the most pivotal moments of your life? Oh, I learned a lot from my mother and my grandmother. I, my mother was, she was, she was uneducated, but she was very smart. Mm-hmm. Um, she made all our clothes as we were growing up and she didn't even have patterns. She cut the, she made her own patterns. Wow. And so I learned to sew and quilt and do all those things from her and my grandmother. Mm. And I'm still doing it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that's a. I, I did a wedding dress this week for somebody. You did? That's amazing. I didn't know that. Whoa. <laughs> I mean, I didn't make the dress. I, um, I you know, made it fit right <laughs> no even still that's 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 a skill that you don't find very many places anymore well uh, a friend of mine's daughter is getting married and she told me she said um, the wedding dress doesn't fit and I know just the person who's going to fix it and, and I said who and she said you and I said Debbie <laughs> <laughs> I am not a skilled person in that field she said you're skilled enough for me because mm-hmm. you've done things for me over the years so her and her daughter showed up the other night and tried to dress on and I did it this week that's amazing yeah. <laughs> wow yeah skilled enough <laughs> well, there's, there's that reputation again right yeah mm-hmm. yep. and just speaks for itself you yeah. know it's it's interesting that you bring up, you know, growing up and, and women really not having that many choices for education. My father and I were just talking about how my grandmother would have made a great engineer if she wasn't as he, he I think his, his exact words, if she wasn't shuffled off to secretarial school at 18. Secretarial school and business, uh, um, business courses are not a loss to women. Mm-hmm. Uh, I made Melissa in high school because, you know, um, Melissa was always into art. And she, I knew that she that's what she wanted to major in was art. But at that time, there was no job. They were yeah. telling me there are no jobs for the art teachers. There's no jobs for art teachers. 
And I didn't discourage her. I told her to take whatever she wanted. But along with that, she had to take, I expected her to take shorthand, typing, and business mm -hmm. courses. Because mm -hmm. I said, regardless what you do, you need to know those things. Right. Right. And she has told me that um, that was the best thing I could have done for her. And by the way, she got every job she applied. Uh, she got called back on every job she applied for when she graduated. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. oh, awesome. Mm -hmm. We talked a little bit about growing up down south. Are there any aspects of your childhood you wish existed today? Yes. The, the family, the family part of it. Because, you know, there was a lot of cousins around and um, we did things together. We didn't have TV, but um, we did things that requ require our ingenuity, right? Mm -hmm. uh, sports was a big thing. We had a, there was always a basketball net in our yard or, uh, and there was, a, sometimes there was a football game going and the girls were playing football right along with the boys, right? Mm -hmm. And if somebody had a piano, there was music being played and we were harmonizing. In fact, Hannah did a song um, last Halloween with a couple of her friends, Harvest Moon. And mm. when, when I saw that, I said, you wouldn't believe this, but that's a song that I used to harmonize with mm. some of my friends with. <laughs> wow. That must have just set a chord with your, with your heartstrings. Yeah, it did. It brought back because uh, actually we did it at a, at a board of education meeting. Whoa. Mm -hmm. Well, board of education meetings have changed since <laughs> since those days. Huh? I don't I don't know if I know of one that sings songs, but that would be great. Well, to bring that back. Yeah, you know, it it was a small school, and the board of education meeting they wanted entertainment, so I was one of three girls who did Harvest Moon. <laughs> mm -hmm. So so the girls get their musical abilities from both sides of the family. Then not really. <laughs> I, mean, I can sing the harmony, uh, but not the more. Right? So, no. All right, I'll I'll let you stay humble in that for now. Um, do you, were you? Can you explain to me if if you're open to it? What your parents were like? What if you remember your grandparents? What they were like? My two great grandfathers both died in the Civil War. Mm. Yeah, they both killed yeah. a little more. My dad was very smart, very bright, and uh, I can only tell you personally how he handled me. Mm. Um, he he made me a little bit of a women's liver, right? Because he always said, "You are smarter than any of those boys, and don't let them put you wow. down in school," right? <laughs> that's a daddy's love mm -hmm. that's right and he never um he always said I was the best kid he the easiest one of his children okay mm -hmm. because he never told me what I could I couldn't do after I you know was growing up if my mom would always say ask your dad right ask your dad right so I would go to, go to him and say, what do you think? And he'd say, okay, let's talk about it. Mm. And then he'd end up making me make the decision, right? Mm. That's pretty pretty ahead of the time. Oh, yeah. Parenting, yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. And, he, um, and, you know, that made me more responsible in giving it more thought because I knew I knew what his feelings were, you know, mm -hmm. and that way uh, he made me make the decision and I didn't want to displease him. So it might change what I would have done to begin with. Yeah. Well, and I also think, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but that gave you a sense of self-confidence as you were growing into a young woman. 
Yes, it did. To make your own decisions and not have to rely on a on a man to, well, to get you there, right? Or make decisions for you. And and the example is when uh, Len and I eloped, and my mom wasn't very happy. <laughs> mm. So uh, when I went home to tell them that, uh, she just kind of put her head, you know, her nose up in the air, and you know, just. She just wasn't going to talk to me, right? Mm. So I went into my dad and said, uh, are you going to talk to me? And he said, sure, why shouldn't I? Right? You know what you're doing. Mm. You've always been responsible. And he said, and I don't have to worry about you anymore. You've got somebody that's going to look after you. <laughs> oh. oh, wow. That's amazing. I, I imagine, were you were you nervous? Getting ready to tell your parents that you just eloped? Oh, yeah. (laughs) It wasn't an easy thing, but, um, you know, Mm -hmm. you know, I didn't know how. Well, I knew that when I told him I was going to move to New York that, you know, (laughs) that wasn't going to be fun. But uh, um, my dad made it a lot easier. Yeah. Oh, wow. Sounds like he had a, a special place in your heart and, and really set the tone for for how you stay the course of your life. Well, I think that's the way he was with me all the way through, mm-hmm. all the way through my life. Now, he, you know, uh, and I think being the oldest of the, you know, second family, I, I naturally had more responsibility than the other mm-hmm. ones did. Uh, you know, I this, as I said, the school was small, and when my brothers, I had one of the my, one of my brothers uh, didn't uh, he, he wasn't uh, the best kid to do his homework and everything. And when his report card came, and this was about fifth or sixth grade, uh, I was told go see his teacher. Because I, I knew all the teachers. It was a small school and everything, you know. And I had had a good reputation there. Find out what what he isn't doing. And I went in and they said, she said, well, he's taking his books home and doing his homework. So my dad said, you go by every night, get his assignments, you bring him home and he's going to do his homework. Mm. 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 And he did. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. But he's a little bit of a rebel, but there's always one. There's always at least one. (laughs) Right. You know what? After his, when he was, after he grew up and uh, after his wife passed away, we became best friends Mm. through Facebook and cell phones. Yeah. 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 Amazing. Before he passed away, he talked to me every day. Beautiful. Beautiful. Uh, yeah. Tech, I'm sure, you know, looking back on life, there's been just this rapid growth of technology, which has sometimes been challenging even oh. for me to, even for me to keep up with everything that changes. Well, um, but there's, there's the, the, the plus side of, of that connection that you w- may not have had otherwise. Oh yeah. Uh, when he was, he, he uh, had, um, uh, all kinds of heart problems and a lot of surgeries mm-hmm. and whatever. And um, in the last couple of years of his life, uh, one one day, one of his daughters called me and oh, we had a barbecue with his grand, one of his couple of his grandchildren. <laughs> oh, beautiful! Mm-hmm. Oh, that's lovely. Yeah, I still have pictures of it on my cell phone. Oh, awesome. Awesome. Looking back, do you have any stories that are funny to share today, but maybe weren't so funny when they were happening at the time? I can't think of anything right offhand. A lot of things happened when I was growing up. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure of it. Um. Not offhand, I can't think of anything. That's all right. I, I can tell you how I learned to fold. 
Oh, that's perfect. Yes. I'd love to know. I'll tell you, uh, I told you my mother used to make our clothes and everything. And she did the patterns and all of that. Mm -hmm. And I had uh, worked in it when I was going into my sophomore year of high school. I had worked and uh, bought all this fabric and everything for my mother to make my clothes for school that fall. And uh, she slipped and fell and she broke her arm. And so I've got this fabric, all this fabric. And I said, Mom, what am I going to do with, you know, I, this is my school clothes. This is fabric for my school clothes. What, what am I going to do? And she said, you're going to make them. And I said, me? <laughs> I said, yeah, I know how to sew a sewing machine. But I'm not, I know how to run a sewing machine. I can't make my clothes. Mm-hmm. Well, she said, oh, now's a good time to learn. And with one hand, she she instructed me and she cut the patterns. I, my, she, you know, she helped me. I had I did do the most work, but she directed me to mm-hmm. cut the patterns. I cut the fabric and I made two suits that fall. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. I, I've always believed that the best way to learn is, is being thrown in, but gently guided while you're being thrown in. Well, I was thrown in. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thrown in with, with a life vest, if you will. Right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh boy. And well, you know, I ended up my senior year. I had, a, I took home at, and I'm, I made this dress. Uh, I I won't tell you how many times I, my home ec teacher made me rip out the seams and do them over. But uh. I entered it. She entered it in uh, county fair, and I won first prize. Wow! That's so, so neat. I, I got better. Yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. Done, right. Oh, but I never wore that dress a half dozen times because uh, I was so sick and tired of it. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah, I could imagine. <laughs> I could imagine that. Oh. That's great. What What would you say to the person you were back during your, your most challenging times? What words of wisdom would you have to share with her? Not to take things so seriously. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I guess I was a little bit of perfectionist because um, I went to three different high schools in high school. My first year I went to a boarding school. And then the next two years I went to a school near us. And it, there was, I had a choice my senior year of two schools, that one and, and another one. And I, my senior year, I went to a different school. But I, I was always either the head of the class or in the top three. So, mm. and nothing ever. Well, would you like to learn? You, you know how I learned a computer? Sure. Absolutely. Um, well, <clears throat> in 1979, um, my husband had some health problems. And he had to take a leave of absence for work. And I had two two kids starting college. And um, I said, it's time I went to work full time, right? Because I don't know what's going to happen with him, right? Mm-hmm. So I applied for this job. It's this new credit union <clears throat> for a teller job. You know, I figured I'd never worked at a, but being a teller is not that hard, right? (laughs) (laughs) After about the third or fourth interview, they kept calling me back. I said to, um, and by this time, my interview was with the man who started this credit union. He had a doctorate. I mean, he was a very smart man. And he was asking me these questions. And something, you know, I just said to him, 
you're not interviewing me for a teller job. Mm. What are you interviewing me for? And he pulled out a job description and he handed it to me. It was about five pages long and it showed what degrees I needed and all this kind of stuff. And I just sent him back to him. I said, I have no degrees. And he said, does that frighten you? And he had little bee eyes, right? <laughs> <laughs> and he just put his hip face up closer to me and he said, does that frighten you? And I said, no. Does it frighten you? <laughs> ah. And he said, no, and he hired me. I was number three in the credit union. Wow. I did all the books. I supervised the tellers. They were taken on visa. I had to learn the visa. I started the uh, um, IRA program. Wow. I mean, I wore a lot of hats. And yeah. when he and the assistant manager was gone, I was in charge. Mm. So I had to step up, I tell you. Wow. <laughs> and how long were you at that job for? 15 years. Wow. That's amazing. And so as time progressed, um, he's, I was doing all these different things. And he said one day, your job is, all the things you're doing is too much. We need to hire a bookkeeper or uh, somebody to do, you know, take care of the customer service, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you take, make a choice. Which one do you like? Which way do you want to go? And I said, uh, well, I like both of them, you know. I know. But I said, which one would you prefer me to keep? And he said, I can hire a bookkeeper. <laughs> But uh, I can't hire a member service person like you. Right. So that's where he put me. Mm. So uh, during all during this period of time in the next number of years, he had his own secretary and uh, computers. They didn't have. They weren't called. They were called word processors at that time, right? Mm-hmm. And his secretary took a unauthorized vacation and he asked me to come back and do his secretarial work for her until she got back. And here's this word processor sitting on the desk. And I didn't have a lot to do with back there. I was getting bored. And I, one day I said, got a, you got a book on this machine? And he said, yeah, what do you want? Or I said, I want to read it. So he found it. And he gave it to me and I took it home that night hmm. and uh, I went through it and read it and, you know, whatever. I came to work the next day and he was gone and I didn't have a lot to do. So I went in, look on his desk, check, you know, I had to check the mail and all that stuff. And I found a report in there that he had tried to write or somebody had tried to write. Oh. They couldn't make it balance. Okay. okay. <laughs> uh, I worked on it and it balanced. <laughs> so I didn't tell him about it. I just took it and put it on his desk. Left it there. <laughs> <laughs> and when he came back a couple of days later, he was checking his mail and stuff on his desk, and he saw the copy of the report. And he came out, and he had it in his hand, and he said, uh, who did this? And I said, I did. You did that? Yes. <laughs> How did you do it? I read the book. <laughs> he got very excited <laughs> he ran into the assistant manager and he was right waving it in the air look at this she did this can you believe this wow. just picked up the book and she did it you want to go to school you want a course I'm like sure you're going to pay for it yep so, so he sent me to school <laughs> wow that's amazing yep my goodness self-taught Self-taught, absolutely. Amazing. Even saw that I get a 
uh, WordPress, uh, word processor to take home so I could do some of my work at home. And I was doing, wow. I was doing all the reports, writing all the reports for everybody when I left there. Work from home way back then. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. It sounds like the, you know, having education means so much to you as you grew up and instilling that into your children. You've mm-hmm. also, you've also created this belief, not only in yourself, but your children and your grandchildren and your step-grandchildren that there's really nothing that you can't do. You can't, not if you, not if you apply yourself and right. you want to. Right. I mean, it sounds like, as you recall that, that story of learning how to use a computer there, you didn't even skip a beat thinking that you couldn't do it. You just knew you needed to read about it. That's right. I mean, you know, I've always been, uh, well, when I, when I started to work there, you know, there were no, there were no directions how to do anything, but any, in my, the way I always felt is you've got to write down how to do, you can't teach somebody unless you write down, give them something in writing. Mm -hmm. I always was good at taking notes and I relied on my notes. And so as I learned things at the credit union, we uh, wrote procedures. That's one of the things I had to do was help do procedures on how mm-hmm. to do different things as we took on different things. And, and I would write them down for my benefit mainly, right? Mm-hmm. So when they started uh, later in and when they started trying to write a book for the different procedures there, the first thing they did was come to me and ask me if they could make a copy of all the procedures I, I had done for myself personally. Yeah, it's amazing. So, and, and, and that was only, I had to do my job and you can't keep it. Well, I had worked for a guy uh, off and on all these years who had a bookkeeping service and I did a lot of the work at home and he always told me not to try to keep things in your head that you could write down write it down right don't load your brain down on trying to remember all this mm-hmm. stuff write it down so I had learned from him that anytime anything I was supposed to do for him I would write it down in the way he wanted it done so I can refer back to it. And that's, you know, and I'm still like that. I don't try, I can't remember everything. No, I don't think anybody can. Do you ever look back and really contemplate and maybe even stand in awe of the ripple effect you've had not only in your family and your children and your grandchildren, but also the impact you've made? In other parts of life, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking right now as you're writing down these standard operating procedures for for this bank, that a lot of what you wrote still exists in an employee handbook today. It does. And it touching does. all those lives, and then you know those people, those employees are touching the lives of the the customers coming in and the clients. Well, I had I had a <clears throat> incident that since Lynn passed. Uh, where I call, I had, uh, he had IRAs. Well, we have accounts, still have some accounts at the credit union. One of them was an IRA. And I have write that program in, in 1982. Wow. Right. And uh, <clears throat> Melissa and I went down and, you know, we talked to a young lady and everything was supposed to be taken care of. And uh Six weeks later, nothing had happened, and I had called and talked to her again, and nothing had happened. So the manager that of that credit union now is a young lady that when I was, the year I retired, uh, I was a walker. I'd go walking on my lunch. I always was a walker. I'd walk. Uh, Lynn and I used to walk all the time and mm. I would walk on my lunch time, right? And they hired a young lady there and she was just doing filing or something, something very simple. And I hardly knew her. And one day she came back and said, uh, I, I hear you walk at lunchtime. And I said, yes, I do. 
She says, I like to walk. She said, do you have any objections if I walked with you? Mm. And I said, no, that would be fun. So we became pretty close, right? Because during our walks, she would pick my brain. Mm. She's very bright. She was the youngest of 11 children. And I don't think she had an awful lot of education either, but she was very bright. So by this time, the credit union had two or three, it had just opened up this third office, right? So, we, you know, we had grown. And they were looking for a manager, and they always wanted to hire uh, within if they could. So um, they came to me and uh, asked me, said, um, you have anybody in mind that you think we should interview for this office? And I said, um, <clears throat> yeah, there's a new girl here. I said, she's only been here a few months, but she's really, really bright. And, and I told them who she was and they, said, we never thought about her. I said, you don't know her. I said, she walks with me every day. Mm -hmm. I said, she's real bright. She is married. She doesn't plan on having any children. Um, and she picks my brain every day. She wants to know about everything and how it's done. And, and you know, and she's just, I think she's a good joy, choice for some kind of training, right? So she ended up being transferred to that office and they gave her a good job. She's a manager at the credit union now. Wow. Yep. Yeah. Part of, part of your leg legacy there. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's amazing. And when, I, when I went down and, and they didn't wait six weeks for Lynn to, <laughs> to get back to me and nobody had gotten back to me. I still have a little relationship with her, so I didn't call her. I sent her a little one of my notes mm -hmm. <laughs> and said, how's things going? And then I told her that I had a uh, little, what was going on that nobody got back to me for six weeks. And mm -hmm. I said, I think that should be reported. I, of course, she got that the other day, and guess who got a phone call? <laughs> yeah. And I got more than one phone call that day. <laughs> and everything got taken care of. Beautiful. Beautiful. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Looking back on life, what words of advice do you have your for your grandchildren, your step-grandchildren, and now like your step-great-grandchildren as they're beginning life, stepping into new phases of their life, what do you want them to know? Well, one thing I do, would I don't care whether they, you know, what kind of education they get. I think whatever they go into, they should give it their 100%. Not be a quitter. There's nothing you do that's easy, you, you know, and you know that because... Mm -hmm going to school and everything it's nothing is easy um, it's going to be there's going to be rough spots but um you you have to work through them right mm. and don't give up yeah nothing is ever nothing you can you can make it fun but it, everything is not going to be fun yeah yeah don't don't give up stick with it mm. Beautiful. What is it that you know now that you wish you knew when you were in your 20s, 30s, 40s? I wish wish I had more patience, maybe. Mm. You know, I, I, I don't think I was always as patient as I should be. Now I, I mean, I roll with the punches a little better now. Yeah. What has yeah. what what has given you that new sense of patience that you've you've obtained? 
I'm just living a long life, I guess. You know, you, you look back and say, you know, um, give it time and it'll work out, right? Mm, that gives you that perspective. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I live in an apartment house and I see all kinds of people there. And I think even from that, every day I learn how to deal with people easier. And, you know, that's a big thing, how you deal with people. Mm. You know, you don't always have to be right. You don't always have to tell them they're wrong. You, you accept them the way they are. And for the, this, I mean, I'm sure that I do things that some of those people who befriend me, uh, you know, don't think it's their cup of tea, but they accept me for the way I am. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm, I really like that. What has given you the most sense of fulfillment in life? My grandchildren. Mm. Mm. And my children. And, and I can just feel that sense of pride when you, when you share that. I would have, I, I couldn't have, have uh, I had a hard time having children. That's why I only had two. I think I would have had um, otherwise, if I had been easy, I, I didn't get pregnant easy. And when I, I did, I had a hard time having them, delivering. And um, I think if, if it had been easier, I'd have probably had a house full of kids. <laughs> yeah. Because I took care of so many the neighbor kids. I've got uh, I this week uh, two of the three of the kids that I used to take care of and, and two of them call me mom now. Mm. Their mother, their real mother, passed. Mm. In fact, they one of them's got my car right now. She came from California for the funeral, and I said, "Don't rent a car. You can take mine." Mm. Mm. Yeah. And, I, you know, as I mentioned earlier, I think even though maybe you didn't have that house full of kids you always dreamed of, you had that ripple effect on so many other lives in different ways. Well, I took care of everybody's kids, too. Yeah. 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 I said, when the boys, when my son was growing up, there was always five or six boys in summertime in my yard mm. doing mini bikes basketball, football, whatever. Um, he ran cross country. And I remember one time he got up on Sunday morning and said, oh, Mom, I forgot to tell you, I invited the cross country team here this afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. And you had all those bellies to feed, right? <laughs> and when he was in college, he, he ran, uh, he ran uh, track and cross country and once they went to a track some meet somewhere over in, I think it was Brockport, and they ended up coming home to my house, right? So I had mattresses down upstairs, wall to wall, so <laughs> boys wow. there for the weekend. <laughs> wow. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I've, I, I always had a house full. Okay. <laughs> Mm, houseful and heartful. <laughs> right. What are you most proud of yourself for? I don't, I I I don't know. I think I think I think just having a love for people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that's my best character. Yeah, I'd agree. Is there anything I didn't ask you today that? you wanted to share with your family and friends? I'm very proud of my family. Mm. Mm. And I think they know that. Mm. Your husband was one of my favorite kids too. (laughs) I hear that a lot. (laughs) (laughs) I hear that a lot. I... I'll tell you a little story about him. You want to hear it? 
Oh, of course. Yes. <laughs> he was, uh, when he was Cub Scout, uh, Melissa, I mean, and his dad was, you know, his dad was his leader. And uh, Melissa, she was teaching days and um, teaching nights too because she taught a lot of night courses to the other teachers. And they did, had a cruise, a river a canal cruise for the Cub Scouts one night. And of course, Joe took all three of his kids and he asked me to go along, right? Mm -hmm. So it got chilly on this trip, of course. And um, Christopher got cold and dad's lap was already full, right? <laughs> so it didn't bother him at all. He came to sit in grandma's lap. <laughs> he's he always been a he's always been a good snuggler as long as I've yeah, known. Uh, yeah, he, he cuddled with grandma. I it didn't it didn't embarrass him at all with all the Cub Scout boys being there either. Mm. Right? <laughs> yeah. it's and been I, a little little teddy bear his whole life, huh? Yeah, and I just thought that was really sweet. Oh, thank you for sharing that with me. I didn't. I've never heard that story before. <laughs> oh. Last but not least, Elsie, this is one of my favorite questions. How would you like to be remembered? I think I am remembered that way. I, um, by the kids and the people that I've helped along the way, and they've not all been kids. I, I could tell you stories about a couple of older people that crossed my path that I helped take care of most, you know, in their later years. Um, there was a Methodist minister in Fairhaven here that lived in her trailer that I have a beautiful antique lamp that he left me in his will mm. for the stuff I did for him when he was um, his last years. And I want, he had a lot of antiques and I said, if you ever sell any of these, I'd like that lamp. And when he was on his deathbed, he had his sister bring that lamp and give it to me. Mm. Yeah. Wow. And then there was another lady that um, used to sit behind me in church. She was all crippled up with arthritis, stooped in the shoulders and everything. But she was always just very nice to me. And I... Um, she didn't come to church for a while, and she had lived here for years, and I thought everybody knew her, and well, they did, but, you know, I expected that people would be doing a, showering her with attention, right? But I missed her, and I looked her phone number up, and I called her and said, see how she was, what was going on with her, and asked her if there was anything I could do for her, and she said yes. I need to go to the doctor today and I don't have anybody to take me. Mm. So I had Ann and Sarah were coming home from school that day and I asked her, her to my house and I asked her what time her phone uh, her appointment was and she told me and it conflict, it was my schedule for the day. And I said, could Lynn take you? Yes. So he took us to the doctor, and then for the next five years or so, I was her call for anything she needed. I had her house key. She had me. She wore one of these things around her neck. You know, I was her call for that. <laughs> mm. <laughs> um. She told me things that she would tell nobody else. <laughs> mm -hmm. She was your, you were her person. I was her person till she died. Mm -hmm. That's so beautiful. Mm -hmm. Wow. She was a very smart lady too. Very sweet. Mm. She said we were very much alike. <laughs> yeah, yeah it must have been. I mean, it takes somebody special to not only be the point of contact for everything, but to also be a confidant too. 
Well, she would. She had. She had. Her blood pressure was very high, and so that uh, the people from the ambulance corps would come out and read it every two or three days. All right, right. And if it was too high, they had instructions to take her to the emergency room. Room. Mm-hmm. And I was never told when that was happening, but I would get a phone call sometimes at eight thirty at night from Oswego. So I have to cook better, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I, you know, and, and she went blind after she went to her nursing home. Mm-hmm. But she had her phone somehow or the other where she could call me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was one of the people on that phone that she called. And she'd call me every two or three days. Why haven't you been down to see me? Right? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay, I'm coming. I'm coming. I'm coming. <laughs> oh, that's so beautiful. Yeah. Elsie, this has been such an incredible conversation. I, I've loved every single word you've shared and every single moment you've you've shared with me. Thank you for touching the lives that maybe you don't even realize you've touched, right? I think your impact is even far more reaching than you can ever imagine. And, and thank you for being you. Thank you. I've had a good life. If you or a loved one would like to be celebrated on the Living Years podcast, please visit www.angelicapascone.com slash the living years to learn more. The Living Years podcast has been carefully and very patiently edited by Ascend Audio Spencer Stevens. Music for the Living Years podcast has been inspirationally created by FMN Creatives, Francesca Orso Marceau.